Welcome to the podcast of Bethel Mennonite Church in Gladys, Virginia. Today's message was originally preached March 25th, 2012 by Leon Yoder and is entitled, The Wisdom from Above. greet you in Jesus' name. I did appreciate also the, uh, the Sunday school class that we had this morning on the, the, uh, from Romans 8 and talking about uh, walking in the Spirit. And certainly there is, uh, there is mystery about the Spirit and about even the Christian life because it's spiritual and it can't be reduced to a simple formula. And like in math or science. And when Jesus was explaining the new birth to, to uh, Nicodemus, he said it's a little like the wind. It's like the wind. You can see results, but you don't see the wind. There are things we can learn about the wind. There are things we can learn about the Spirit. <clears throat> and as I was preparing for this message, I read through James, the book of James, uh, a few weeks ago. And, and I want to look at the first chapter here this morning. Or at, well, we'll pull some other places from James as well. But... Uh, and then looking at today's Sunday school lesson, I can see some parallels and uh, relationships between Romans 8 and what we're looking at here in James. We'll begin with, uh, we'll just read chapter 1, this chapter of James. James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. 
For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. I was thinking especially of the uh, of verse five. But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Wisdom. This wisdom that it's referring to here is the guiding light that we follow. It is the the inner direction that uh, we act upon. It's and in this case, it's more than than a good sense of I think this is the way I should go. Uh, but it is it is a it is a not just the knowing but the doing the choosing to do that way. It is a godly wisdom. It is the practical exercise and the application of God's ways to our life. This is the right way. It is the way that I will choose. We don't have to be, you know, super intelligent to be wise in this, in this way. He describes this wisdom uh, also in the third chapter, a little more explanation there, 
Verse 13 says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation, out of a good life, his works with meekness of wisdom. A wise man with godly knowledge. It's going to translate into the way he lives. Let it show out of a good life. And then in uh, verses 17 and 18, the wisdom that is from above, which is what he was referring to in verse 13, and the wisdom that we pray for from the first chapter, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. This uh, passage was read Wednesday night. Uh, Brother Harold was talking about peace and he, he read this 18th verse, 17 and 18. Uh, some of this sounds a little like the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? Uh, that was mentioned in our Sunday school lesson this morning. I believe Brother Dan mentioned that. And I believe it is the fruit of the Spirit that we see here, though he doesn't label it in those terms. But it is the wisdom that comes from God. A wise man endued with knowledge of godly things. It is a wisdom that is from above. Its source is God. It springs from the character of God, from the person of God. And a person who is growing in this wisdom is developing these godly characteristics. And someone with that wisdom communes with God and is in a process of conforming to God. That's what he wants to do, is to please God, like was said in our Sunday school lesson also. In his everyday life, in his attitudes, and in his thoughts, and in his behavior. That's the, uh, that's the wisdom that he's talking about here in James, in the first chapter. But there is another wisdom. There is another guidance, another wisdom that guides man. And it talks about that in, verses, uh, in verse 15, uh, 14 and 15. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly and sensual and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Earthly, sensual, and devilish. Of the earth. 
in 1 Corinthians uh, 1, verse 21, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world, by wisdom, knew not God. The world, by its wisdom, this, uh, that earthly and sensual and devilish wisdom, they could not come to know God that way. And following their ideas and their philosophies and their theories about how things ought to be and how people should live and, and what should be okay and what is important, and all of those things are earthly. The wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. In Philippians, it talks about those whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things, not godly wisdom, but earthly things and their focus and their affections are on things of the earth and their pursuits and their goals are like was talked about again in our Sunday school lesson this morning, short term and short term gratification, instant gratification often. And those things are their primary, their first, their first pursuit. And the, uh, the sensual, earthly and sensual, he said there in James 3.15. The, uh, my pleasures and my desires, my appetites and my preferences, regardless whether it's just in my mind or with my body. In Jude it says, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. In uh, 2 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. And that, that natural there is the same word as the sensual that we just saw in Jude and back in James. The natural man, the sensual man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Because... The spiritual, the spiritual things of God are not compatible with, with the earthly and the sensual or the devilish, as it goes further there in James, demonic, uh, from hell. In the third chapter of James, he talks about the tongue and he says it's a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue, that's the unregenerate tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. It is, it's influence, uh, it is influenced by uh, the evil one. And we are called out of that and are wanting a wisdom that is other than that. In Ephesians 2 and verses 2 and 3, Wherein, in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation, or our, we lived in that in times past, in the lust of the flesh, 
fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, even as most of the world. That's the other wisdom, that other guiding light, as it were, earthly and sensual and devilish. And we've seen described here its source, the world, the flesh, and the devil, each of which are enemies of true wisdom that comes from above. This, this world's wisdom is what guides the world and, and makes them, brings them to make the choices that they, that they do. And Jesus spoke about this in, in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, if thine eye be evil, if that guiding light that guides you, then thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. If, the, if your guidance system is dark and it's wrong and it's earthly and sensual and <clears throat> influenced by the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, then we've got a very flawed uh, guidance system. How dark. <clears throat> but that's the, that's the uh, wisdom that the world follows. And it can influence us. And we have those tendencies in us. And we want the true wisdom. We want the true light that comes from heaven, that comes from God. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> So how do we receive this wisdom? Well, James says there in that first chapter that we read <clears throat> that we can ask for it. We can ask for it. We should ask for it. <coughs> Excuse me. If any of you lack wisdom, and who of us wouldn't admit to that, if any of you lack wisdom, Come short in wisdom. Need more wisdom. Let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him. God never, never scolds. When we ask sincerely. For the things that we need. That only he can supply. God never scolds us or uh, ridicules us or mocks us for asking for the things that we need, that we desperately need to live for Him. Solomon asked, we're familiar with the story, when he became king and he felt so small and he needed help so badly he saw this job, this task before him, and it looked so huge, and it looked so impossible. And we look at the Christian life, and we look at God's holy standards. We look at the Sermon on the Mount, and the Scriptures, the Epistles, and what we are called to, and, and uh, 
we need something more than, than we were born with. We need something more. We need the wisdom that comes from God that, that not only knows but has the power to, to live it. And God said to Solomon, Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart. God was pleased that, that Solomon had that humility and had that confidence in God that he would ask him for wisdom. We can ask. We must ask. We say, Dear Lord Jesus, cleanse my heart, renew my heart. I was talking with somebody who works with, uh, with troubled people, <clears throat> and and he was talking about, this person was talking about distorted thinking. That we can come to believe, people can come to believe lies about themselves. And, and they were talking especially about children growing up in abusive situations, uh, either through neglect or people uh, around them aren't, aren't wise themselves and are selfish and cruel and whatever, and they come to believe lies about themselves and about God, about the Bible, about what it means to be, uh, about what womanhood should be or manhood. And they, they don't uh, have adults around them uh, role models, godly people around them that can, that can teach them or that they can watch and learn from. But rather these people have distorted thinking themselves. And so they grow up without an adult perspective in their, in their lives and, and they're open to the devil's devices and they just learn to cope in their own way with, uh, with things and trying to control situations and you know it just it just makes a great hurdle god can can deliver and has in many many cases and help people through that but all of us have have uh, distortions because uh, we were born with a wrong nature and it looks at things wrong in wrong ways and so when we uh, look at Romans, the first couple of verses in Romans, in the, uh, Romans 12, uh, verse 2 says, But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I think it's good for us to pray, Lord, uh, renew my mind. And like the psalmist, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit. Work a spiritual work in me. And in Ephesians, uh, Paul prayed that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. And in the fourth chapter, he talked about, you know, putting off the old man that is corrupt and is following deceitful lusts, distorted thinking. 
and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man. And in Colossians 3, be renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. We have a model, Jesus Christ, that we can learn from and follow and who is our redeemer and can bless us and change us. But we need to, uh, to ask. We need to believe. This uh, passage here in James, this first chapter, says, but let him ask in faith. Let him ask believing. Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So who do we believe? Do we figure it out ourselves? Or do we decide? I believe God. I believe what the Creator, my Savior Redeemer, says. What His Spirit inspired men to write. God's message. That is what I will believe. I will believe my Savior, the Lord Jesus. I have faith. I trust God. That's a, that's a condition for receiving wisdom from God. We must have a, a faith. Uh, we must have settled the question, who am I going to believe? And it must be unwavering. Nothing wavering, he said. A double-minded man is unstable. What did James mean by that double-minded man? It, uh, it's only found here in the Bible right here in James. And it literally means double-souled. Or, well, like it says here, double-minded. In John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress, there's a man, a character in there, Mr. Facing Both Ways. And he's describing an on and off, a back and forth like the surf, like the waves of the sea, a wavering, a constant movement. He's not, uh, not really settled in one direction, one choice, this is it. Here's where I'm going. But maybe for a little while. But then he sways and wobbles back and heads another direction. And then back and forth. Peter, when he was walking on the water, um, we don't know what all his thoughts were, but you know, one, one thing was pretty clear. If my Savior can do this and my Lord says to do it, then I can do it. And I can do it. But these waves, and, and the, he notices the waves. Can I do it? Can, can I do it? Oops, I can't do it. And he sinks. And he's crying out for help. And the Lord stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith. Now we can identify with Peter. 
I can identify with Peter. A tentative step, especially with scary things. But it can also be about sinful things and right and wrong things and wisdom that is from above and guidance that is from the earth and from the earthly. A tentative step and then stop and then pull back and then hesitate. Is this really where I want to go now? And Peter was pulled two ways. And uh, often we are too. But we need to settle that and, you know, really nail that down. After the resurrection, <clears throat> um, people saw Jesus. The disciples saw Jesus. It says in Matthew 28, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some hesitated. They were pulled two ways. Is he the Messiah? Is he really the Messiah? Or is he not? Is he? Is he not? Elijah, when he came to the people there on uh, when there was that great contest with Baal, and he said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. And the people didn't say anything. They were wobbling. We can't be double-minded. Uh, we can't be... We need to have that settled. You know, in James 1.3, in the third uh, uh, verse there, it says, Knowing this, that the trying, the testing of your faith, worketh patience or endurance. And you know, I believe that when our heart is toward God and we desire and we we determine to follow him. Even in little things, even in little tests, when we choose the right thing, it strengthens us. It strengthens our faith. Even in small ways, if it's less me and more God, more trust, then there's more God at work. When we surrender, when we believe, it can be a scary thing, like I mentioned, something we think we ought to do, something we're asked to do, and I don't know how your life is, but it seems like often uh, there's a challenge in front of you, something that looks kind of big, at least it's often that way for me, and you think, you know, if I get through that, then... Surely it'll kind of clear out and look better beyond. But you get beyond that, and the first thing you know, there's something else. And that's really, I think, how life is. I finally accepted that's how it is. So there may be scary things, like I said, or there can be tempting things, sinful things that we know are wrong, and we know God says no. Who do we believe? Who do we believe is right? The flesh, 
that pool of the world, that devilish thing? Who do we believe is right? We know God is right, don't we? He says here in James 4, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. The reason he was saying that was because their hearts were impure. Maybe they partly wanted to serve the Lord. They knew they should. They knew they should do this right thing. But their hearts weren't pure. They were double-minded. That loyalty needs to be settled. Will we believe our sinful nature? Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. And whence come wars and fightings among you? All this from James. They come from a war inside of you. Will it be the influence of the world? In James 4, he says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? We're called to be unspotted by the world in verse 27, the last verse of the first chapter. Or will we listen to, will our guide be God and His holy standard? Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and the superfluity overflow of naughtiness, sinfulness, Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. The holy word of God. That's the light. That is where the wisdom comes from God. From his message, from his spirit. Receive it with meekness. Surrender to it. Commit yourself to it. And in the fourth chapter, verse 7, he says, Submit yourselves therefore to God resist the devil and he will flee from you which is a great advantage to growing in wisdom but if we try to follow both influences both wisdoms and hesitate between the two it won't work and it won't make our worship very acceptable to God either and will not find wisdom either and the grace of God upon us. <clears throat> be cleansed, be committed, be loyal, and have settled who we are, who we believe, and who we are following, and who we are obeying. <clears throat> In the last part of, the, of chapter 1, he said, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. I believe Brother Don mentioned that in his prayer this morning after the opening. Doers are wise. Those who hear only are unwise. They deceive themselves. 
For if you're only a hearer and not a doer, not a follower, not an obeyer, he describes that looking in a mirror and seeing your hair's all a mess or a big splotch of dirt on your cheek or... You know, this morning I was sitting back here and, you know, with glasses, it's always a little bit of a mess to see uh, close up to yourself and whatever, but I had the songbook here and I saw something a little brown right here. I couldn't figure out, was this a corner of my coat right here? And I pulled at it and here it was one of those famous little bugs. It fell over on the floor, but it was perched right, right there. I don't know how long he had been there. Had I looked in a mirror at the right time, I would have seen that. I would have pulled it off, too. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty that frees us from guilt, from condemnation, from the power of sin, and makes it possible for us to live a higher standard, to follow the wisdom of God looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this man shall be blessed in his deed what God says what God asks what God gives is good and right. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. How does that compare? How does that compare? with the earthly and the sensual and the devilish. God, with whom there is no changing, there's no flickering, no dimming, no brightening of, of that Father of lights, that pure and perfect and loving and holy Heavenly Father, every good gift, every perfect gift, every good commandment, every commandment from Him, every word from Him, every direction from Him is good and perfect and best. It may not satisfy our senses, but it will satisfy our souls and it will lead us to a better place to the salvation of our souls and to a crown of life blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him, to them that cry out to him for wisdom, to them that follow him, follow this wisdom that is from above and 
walk in the Spirit. Blessed is the man that lives wisely with godly wisdom, following godly wisdom, enduring those temptations and tests and trials. For he shall receive the crown of life. And while he's walking that way, he's an encouragement to other people around him and uh, is a testimony to a world filled with people following the wrong wisdom. Let's seek the true wisdom and live it. You've been listening to The Wisdom From Above, a message by Leon Yoder. This podcast is brought to you from Bethel Mennonite Church in Gladys, Virginia. Find us online at BethelMennoniteOnline.org. Thanks for listening.